Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Okay. Thanks, Dave. All right. Hey, so tonight we're going to talk about team building. Maybe you just came into the room. Uh, welcome, everyone. Have a good day today. How many had a good day? How many had a great day? How many had a fantastic day? Awesome. Okay, um, we're going to talk about team building tonight, and just for you to know about the final next Monday, just bring your Bibles and notebooks, and uh, you'll probably need them. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have any information to give you, but uh, knowing the, I, I think I proctored the the midterm, and um, you know they're pretty uh, intense. So I would I would plan for that. <laughs> Heard a lot of moaning and groaning. Had to resurrect the dead there in a few of the instances, but you got through it. Uh, anyway, so I want to get into this tonight because I believe team building is one of the most important points of church planting. And it really makes or breaks the mission. And I want this to be a very practical class because I, I want to really share some building blocks uh, that we have learned the hard way. And um, hopefully, uh, you will not have to do that. At least, as you know, less than we did anyway. So, um, so I want you to think about this as we start. If, if I was to ask a matchstick, if you were to strike a match and it, and it ignites, how long does it last just by itself? Just a few seconds, right? Right? Very good. Now, what happens if you connect it to other matchsticks? What happens? <laughs> Hopefully not that. <laughs> but there's a, there's a big ignition, right? It ignites and there are many more sticks that are ignited. Now, what happens if you connect that to a log or kindling? What happens? Yeah, it starts to burn for a longer time. And as the fire gets going, you're able to put more and more wood on that fire, and it burns, it burns. Well, team building is very similar to that because a lot of missions just are like one matchstick. But when you have other people and you have the mission ignited in the hearts of people, it's amazing how God multiplies the work. It's really amazing. So I want us to consider that today um, in a practical way. So uh, I have a lot of notes here, so that, that, kind of, that kind of is dangerous, but hopefully we'll, uh, we'll make some sense of this. So the, the first thing I want to talk about, the spirit of the team and I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Now, um, again, we could maybe do a diagram like this, but there are really several parts to what I'm going to be talking about tonight. First of all, there's the strategy. I'll just put strategy there. The next part is planning. We'll go into these in detail. Third part is communication. 
the life's blood of the team. The next part is systems. You can have an amazing train, amazing locomotive, but if there's no track, guess what? It does not go anywhere. And lastly, you have performance. Now, I don't know if that makes any sense to you right now, but it will by the end of the class, I hope. <laughs> so the big thing about team building is this first word, I'm gonna give you four eyes, and that is to inspire. Okay, that's gonna be the first word we're gonna look at tonight is the word inspire. So God may give you a mission and a vision and something that ignites your heart, and it's something that you pray about, it's something that you talk about, it's something that you're enthusiastic about. And, uh, but in a lot of ways, the mission and the vision is so much greater than anything that we can comprehend. And that's good, and that's good, because if the mission is something doable, then it's just simply a business plan. But if it's something God-sized, then it requires faith. And faith is one of the key ingredients to team building. So when we're inspired by God about a mission, let's say we're praying about a country or praying about a state, and we're, over, we're looking at the map, and we're just thinking about the city, we're thinking about the people in that city, we're thinking about the potential of that city, and we're just pouring over it in prayer, God begins to create in us uh, uh, a strategy, something in our hearts that inspires us to believe him for great things. And we know in Jeremiah 20 verse nine, that inspiration happens when it's burning in us and we cannot keep it quiet. It's something that we cannot hold it back. Jeremiah said that I tried not to speak but your word burned in me. And that's a very good thing. Because if you're not burning about what you're building, then maybe you're building the wrong thing. Right? So the spirit of a team really is all about inspiration. So let's say you're gathering a team together and you're going to Richmond. It's more than just getting in a car and going to Richmond. It's more than just uh, handing out tracts. It's more than just uh, you know, doing an activity. Really, there's a spirit. There's a spirit that you have one with another. And it's found here in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Um, and it's, it's, imp it's important because when you come together in unity and one accord, the Lord is among you and he's blessing you. It says, now the multitudes of those who believe were one of heart, and one soul. And neither did anyone say of any of their things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Uh, let me show you another interesting verse here in Philippians. Philippians. So oneness, oneness is a non-negotiable on a team. It's a non-negotiable on a team. God inspires you. God ignites you. God is moving in your heart. You begin to pray. You begin to speak. You begin to testify of what God puts in his heart. And what does God begin to do? He starts to bring people to you. People are drawn to you by life. The life that you have. People want to be with you. 
even if it's shoveling coal, they want to be with you because of encouragement. Because what they're hearing, they sense it's from God. It's something that one matchstick is lighting another matchstick, which is again lighting more matchsticks, and eventually there's an inferno going on. Your life, your life is like this. And uh, notice what it says there in Philippians chapter 2. It says this in 2 2. It says, Fulfill you my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Notice that. Isn't that good? How can, how can people work together unless they be agreed? We know that in relationships, right? If one person's pushing one way or pulling one way and another person's pulling another way, guess what's happening? Something's going to rip, something's going to give. But when everyone's pulling and pushing in one direction, with one mind, with one mission, what's happening? There's a beautiful word called synergy. And I want to define it for you tonight. It's an amazing word, synergy. Because when there's unity, God commands a blessing. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there is God in the midst of them. So let's say, let's say you have a, let's see if God puts something in your heart. Um, we're, we're working in Atlanta these days. And it's amazing. In the mission, there's always a miracle. It's really incredible. And when you get people together in prayer, and they're of one mind and one heart, you don't have to convince them. They're there with an open heart, open mind, open spirit, submitted, humble. By the way, I'd much rather have a humble person than a talented person any day of the week, right? If your team is not teachable, then you're gonna have trouble on your team, right? But let's say you have people coming together, they're before God, seeking God, hearing God, knowing God, and excited in the right sense about the spirit of the team, because there's one heart, one mind, and one accord, there's unity, and God commands a blessing, right? How many people have been on a team where you just are energized together, right? How many have been there, right? How many have been on a team where it's like you couldn't wait to get out of there? Okay, a few, a few honest ones, that's good. <laughs> right? Where there's a power struggle, or there's division, or there's like difficulty, right? Uh, where maybe there's a micromanager rather than a macromanager. Well, on a healthy team, healthy people, spiritually healthy people build um, healthy churches, amen? It's really true. Spiritually healthy people build healthy churches. So you want people that are coming alongside of you, not with their own agenda, but with one heart, one mind, and one accord. That's the spirit of the team. Because the new people that you come in contact with are going to see how you operate as a team. That's the first demonstration of body life, is how you and I operate on a team. doesn't mean we have to be perfect. But if we're arguing one with another, or pulling in a lot of directions, or if we're somehow trying to convince each other, or, or arguing and wrestling with each other, it's, it's not a good example, right? That's kind of an extreme example. But when there's simplicity, when there's unity, when there is a self-sacrificing attitude because of the mission, a lot can happen when nobody cares who gets the glory, amen? A lot can happen when nobody cares who gets the glory. Now we see this all, all over the place in our church. We see this in just self-sacrificing, loving people, 
that care about one thing, and that's lifting up Christ. Amen? And I love our church for that. I love our church for that. Okay, synergy. Synergy is the energy of momentum, okay? Which produces confidence. Then others catch the spirit of the project and are ignited to help and pool resources to complete it. Let me give that to you again. Synergy. Think about it for a minute. It's good. So one plus one does not equal two in regards to the team. One plus one equals five, eight, twelve. The power of God within you together in unity is explosive. That's why Edgewood's on fire. That's why Frederick's on fire. That's why the woman's ministry's on fire. Why? Because... There is beautiful synergy. So synergy is the energy of momentum which produces confidence. That's a beautiful word, confidence. Confidence in God, confidence in the mission, confidence in the strategy, confidence in the spirit that he will fulfill his will, confidence that the word of God will fulfill what it's set out to do. Then others catch the spirit of the project. What is the spirit of the project? What are we doing here? What is church planting all about? Is it just, is it just um, planting churches, hoping that, like a business, we just populate the United States and the world with more churches? Well, maybe, but better yet, we're building people. We're building people. We're loving people. We're investing in people. And people build churches, right? People build churches. You will build churches in the momentum of this spirit, right? And we're in, we're in such a great day to be planting churches, right? So they catch the spirit of the project. It's not just activity. Not all activity means progress. It's, it's this moving in the spirit to love, evangelize, disciple, Strengthen, teach, educate, minister life to people, right? It's awesome. That's what you and I are trained to do. And then we are ignited to help others and pool resources to complete it. You know what's interesting? You're going to have people on your team that are different from you. Isn't that good? How many, how many would say amen to that? Thank God they're not all like me, right? Thank God they're not all like you. Okay, so um, we, we know this principle. Uh, unity is not sameness, right? It's not sameness. You have a skill set that God has given you as you discover and minister and express your, your faith. Others will be added to you that will help um, cover your weaknesses and, and compound your strengths, hopefully and vice versa. You'll have visionaries. You'll have builders. You'll have the quiet investors. You'll have the ones that are, that are just ministering like worker bees in the right sense to just uh, focus on loving the person in front of them. Well, this is powerful. So synergy. God is bringing people together in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is a good verse. Let's look at that together. Ephesians 4, 16 says, 
that uh, every, it says here, from Christ the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, and each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself in love. Okay? So that means on a team, as God inspires you, as God ignites you, as God puts a burden on your heart, and as you begin to speak that vision, that's what draws people to, to the team, by the way. People say, I don't have a team. Well, there may be seasons where God gives you one other person. Maybe there are seasons where you have many people. My question isn't how many. My question is, how are you speaking? How are you thinking? Building teams means I'm communicating the vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to get into that in a minute. We are speaking vision. That's what draws people to the honey. When I speak needs or I complain or somehow I... Uh, can easily com communicate how they're giants in the land. People are not going to be drawn to that. But what are they going to be drawn to? Your faith language, your grace action, your love manifested. God, people will want to come because they want to be with you. They want to be with you, and ultimately they'll understand the mission. That's interesting in team building, right? People often are a part of a team because they want to be with you. Your investment your inclusion, your inspiration, uh, your encouragement. These are things that are the glue in team life, in team life. By the way, there's no such perfect team, right? I mean, Jesus had 12, or, right, 12 disciples, right? And one of them was, a, was Judas, right? Did Jesus have a perfect team? <laughs> he didn't. So the idea is not having a perfect team. It just means that we're investing in each other and we have one accord, one mind, and one heart. This is so important. I can't stress it enough. Let's look at Romans 12 together. Romans 12. And I want to go into this, this diagram tonight because you might say, oh, I'm not really a team leader. I would disagree. I would say every one of you in this room are, are leaders. Okay. All of you are leaders. We call them the 360 degree leader. You can lead from any direction in any place, right? Somebody says, I have to be on top to lead. I don't think so, not always, right? You are leading where you are. The question is, what direction are you leading people? Are you leading them to Christ? Or are you leading them to yourself, right? And that's a, that's a challenging thought. Knowing that if we're led by the Spirit, we can lead other people. If you draw, people will be drawn to God as you lift Him up in John chapter 12. Okay? So in your team, there are a lot of different personalities, there are a lot of different gifts, there are a lot of different nuances, maybe different types of experience. The number one thing is do you have the same Spirit? That's the number one thing. If I don't have the same spirit as the other, guess what? Then God cannot bless the unity and the synergy and the anointing of that team. That's why sometimes works struggle. And that's not all the time, but if there's not a strong team life, it's very hard to build a strong church life. So first of all, you have healthy people, spiritually healthy people that build healthy churches or teams that build healthy churches. 
So I don't want to underestimate the value of a strong team. Because in a church plant, new people are seeing the team first. Team means you have instant body life. They're observing your relationships. They're observing how you interact. They're observing the grace of God. They're seeing the grace of God in Acts chapter 4. And what's happening? They're seeing the interpersonal relationships demonstrated. They're seeing forgiveness. They're seeing diversity. Right? They're seeing like-mindedness with diversity. I study this because I am fascinated by the church. Because it's a mystery. It's the mystery of God. And I believe we're on the cusp of a great uh, growth in our church. I really do. Because the rapture is close. And I believe this slight season before the rapture, God in his mercy will, uh, will multiply churches, especially in the United States, which, which I'm thinking about with you and across the world, of course. All right, now I just told you Romans, didn't I? Okay, how you doing? Romans 12, you with me? This interesting? Synergy, think about this. I'll give you an example of synergy. Interestingly enough, one of the largest and strongest horses in the world is the Belgian draft horse. Competitions are held to see which horse can pull the most, and one Belgian horse can pull 8,000 pounds. The weird thing is if you put two Belgian horses together, uh, you'd think that they can pull uh, 16,000 pounds, or 20,000 pounds, or even up to 24,000 pounds. But two can pull not only twice as much, but three times as much as one. Three times as much. So one ho- two horses together, 16,000 pounds. But actually, it's over 30,000 pounds. It's the same principle. You and another believer have great power and impact in the atmosphere and in the mission. Amen? That's why going alone to a team is not wise. That's why just going as a, as a married couple to a team is, is not ideal. It happens and God can do it. But it is wise to build your team even up to a year before you go and speak vision, pray, 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 go by faith, but build people to, and that will catch the spirit of your mission so when you go, you have an impact and you have people that can um, work alongside of you. All right. Now, there is no such thing as a perfect plan, but that is a good one right there, having a team, having a team. I remember in Ukraine, we had Poles, we had Ukrainians, we had Russians, we had Americans, and everyone was different. And once a week, we'd have a team meeting. We did a lot of praying, <laughs> did a lot of praying, uh, just because we all had different ideas. But when God gave the mission, he gave the strategy, then uh, we really began to understand the why we're doing what we're doing. Listen, that's important. That's how unity happens. Do I, does my team understand the why? Why are we here? Why are we here? If we can't answer that question, we haven't even started the strategy. Why are we in Frederick? Why are we in Richmond? Why are we in Glen Burnie? Why are we in Habit of Grace? Why are we in Atlanta? Why, why, why? It's to make Christ known, amen? That's the number one thing. Why are we in Baltimore? 30 years in Baltimore, why are we still here? 
because Baltimore is yet to really be, be touched. I mean, there's so much potential here in Baltimore. There really is. All right. Okay, Romans chapter 12, 16. Look at this with me. Uh, and this is the hardest part of church planning right here, team building. Team building is the hardest part. People say, oh, building a church is easy. You stand up and preach it and have a song and you pass the offering basket around. Uh, okay, have, have a good time with that. No, no. Team building is you are people building. You are investing, inspiring, uh, loving, caring, listening, learning their story, and just, uh, just absolutely blood, sweat, and tears over people. And God gives you the spirit of faith and hope and joy for every step of the vision. It's, it's really true. Okay, Romans 12, 16. All right, let's read that. It says, Be of the same mind one towards another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble and do not be wise in your own opinion. So, so first and foremost, we're saying, number one, we have one accord. That's the spirit of the team. We have oneness, but not sameness. We're going to get into trouble if we want everyone to be like us. We're going to get into trouble if we do it only one way. There are many ways to, to go to the end game. There are many ways. But in the right spirit, we're all moving in the spirit of the same mind with the same spirit and same life. So he's saying here, he's saying here, be of the same mind. How do we know what people are thinking? Well, we spend time with them, right? There's... And I, I want to go to this to, to this next uh, tier here. There's a plan. You see that? The plan. There's a plan. So the strategy is the foundation. Why we do what we do. What is it that we're doing? You know, most people fail and do not understand what you're doing because they don't understand the strategy. And better yet, they don't understand the plan. When it's going to happen. Not all timetables come perfectly together, but there's a strategy and then there's a plan. Plans are not bad. Programs are not bad if they're spirit-led. And not all plans are gonna come out exactly, but you know what they say, if you shoot at nothing, you're sure to hit it, right? If you shoot at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Poor planning, how does it go? Uh, poor planning prevents. Uh, how's it go? I just went out of my mind. Have a good plan. <laughs> Without a plan, your performance is poor. All right. Look at this in Romans 15. How you doing? You getting what I'm saying here a little bit? I'm going to do a little preaching, teaching. Okay. Team. Anybody work on a team in the world? Right. Anybody work in an office? One person. Really. I remember being in corporate America working with teams. I, it was such a unique, such insecurity on the team. People grumble and they, they work for money. And actually that's the worst thing to work for because uh, money's never enough. But it's so good to be part of a plan that you believe in and you're inspired with and actually changes lives. That's why working in the church has a lot of benefits, right? Um, but on a team, there's cooperation, right? And there's, uh, I remember one lady I used to work with, she used to get so mad at me because she, I would be so positive. 
like I was a marketing manager and I, we, we had some just crazy dynamics. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to get angry at my people. I'm just not going to do it. Even though they drive me crazy, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get angry. <laughs> so every team meeting, we just pour out the strategy and the plan. And, and um, I remember one lady, she got so upset with me because she was my assistant. And she goes, you're too positive. I said, isn't that great? Because when you're negative, you seize up. It's like oil in an engine. No oil, you just seize right up. Right? Being positive, being lighthearted, but being intentional are such important things. Okay. Uh, where are we here? What was the verse? Did I read, did I read uh, Romans 15, 6? All right. Let's do it. All right. So let's catch these four eyes. You ready? Let's, uh, let's go back here. I want you to catch the four eyes as we... Uh, not really good with the iPad here, so I'll do my best. Inspire. If you're not burning, if you're not burning about your message, if it's not a living thought, it will not be a living de- delivery, right? The Spirit is inspiring you, inspiring adventure, danger, risk. That's awesome. That's, that's church life right there, isn't it? Love takes an incredible risk to keep loving us, right? Initiation. Initiation. We're all learning how to do this. To initiate, to advance, regardless of, of what we see. God initiated his love while we were yet sinners. So we're of one accord. God's ministering a mission. There's, there's a faith dream, a heart vision. And all of a sudden we begin to initiate and speak that vision to others. And others catch fire. Then beautiful inclusion. This is one of the biggest words, and I'm going to touch on all these. Inclusion, we're including others. You know, people are only going to grow to the measures that you grow. And we want our people to grow and be more successful than us, especially in the, in the, uh, in the church, uh, church ministry. That's why you see a lot of young people coming in under, underneath us, and they'll go farther than us. Why? Because inclusion, we want to include them. It's not about you and I alone. And by the way, that's where team life suffers, is if the team is just all about one person. No, it's shoulder to shoulder, in the mission, on our knees, inspired by the Spirit, walking together in faith, glorifying God. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? A lot can be done when no one cares who gets the glory. We only want God to get the glory. Amen? Amen? You still with me? Psalm 115.1 Unto you, O God, be all the glory. That's what Baltimore needs. That's what Edgewood needs. That's what Richmond needs. That's what North Avenue needs. That's what Parkville needs. That's what Glen Burnie needs. They don't need you and me. That's for sure. They need a risen Christ with a humble servant leadership, fumbling in the right sense before a great big God, and just consumed knowing that, God, you put me here, and you will equip those that have been called people. Isn't that good? You might say, I'm nothing. Well, that's good. None of us are anything, but with God, we're something. He equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped which means he's going to give you everything you need to do his mission. So as we're this little matchstick, right, we're, we hit the friction board and we're burning 
And we draw near, we draw near to know and say, hey, listen, God has put in my heart this, and let's just believe God together. Let's pray together. What do you think? And then all of a sudden, those two people, they multiply, and now there's six people, and we're praying, and we're just believing God, and all of a sudden, there was one mind, one accord, and there's great, great oneness and uh, fruit. All right, so uh, Romans 15, 6. Um, let's look at that. It says, that ye may be of one mind and one mouth, glorifying the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind and one mouth. We're all saying the same things. Isn't that good? It's crazy when, a, when on a team there's critical, a critical spirit. That just, that just kills the team, right? So what if we don't get our own way? So what? We want God's way, amen? We share, we communicate, we dialogue, we deliberate, we uh, correct. I know in InReach, I have an amazing staff, and they're very different people. And thank God they're not like me, right? I, I like things a certain way. I like goals. I'm, I'm a task-oriented person. But I've realized early on that it can't be all about tasks. It can't just be finishing projects and checking boxes. It's got to be more. It's got to be finding Christ. It's got to be a Christ orientation. It's got to be finding Christ at the center. Oh, nothing's really going on. Or maybe things are moving slow. Or maybe things are not moving according to my timetable. It's all, it's all okay. The mission, guess what the mission is? It's you and it's me. That's the mission. God, God is your, is the, you're God's mission field. So, so let's say, okay, we're, we're starting a new outreach and uh, God put something in your heart and you've got this grand, glorious plan. And I love that. That's good. You have a strategy. You have a plan. And God says, if it's not centered in me, guess what? I'm gonna, it's going to go slow. It's going to go painfully slow because I want you to find me in it. I don't want it just to be task orientation. I don't want you just to be God's employee. I want you to be a, a son and daughter of him first. So as, as we're working together and growing together, Ecclesiastes 4 happens where two, where there's two, is better than one. When one falls, the other one picks the other up. And when, when resistance happens, the threefold cord is not easily broken. This is team life. Team life is is a, is a beautiful uh, mess. <laughs> In so many words, we can maybe say that a little nicer. But it, it, we're all growing. We're all moving in faith, and we're all watching the faithfulness of God. Right? Like I think about Frederick. Pastor Dennis does a great job. I bring him up a lot because I I love this guy's passion. He works very hard. And there's been work in Frederick for three decades, but now it just seems to be the time when, when God is starting a church. And, and there's a beautiful uh, body of believers there. There's like 40 people or so on a Sunday. And there's a beautiful body life. But what I love about Frederick is it's team life. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of evangelism. There's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of... Learning, 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 learning. But there's a lot of life. And people are like, who are you guys? 
The city is like, who is greater grace? Like, on the streets, soul winning and, and doing um, uh, just different. Uh, they did something fun for Easter. Pastor Dennis and Andrew, they dressed up in the Easter bunny, right, Steve? Or you probably were doing it too. You didn't do it. Okay. That was above you, right? Or beneath you. <laughs> No, he's, uh, he's awesome with the college ministry, by the way, in Frederick. Okay, so Easter Bunny, picture it, and there's a sign that says, I did not die for your sins, right? Isn't that a great big sign? I did not die for your sins. That's what Jesus did. What, what a great conversation starter. Isn't that good? All right, so inspiring, initiation, inclusion, and investment. Oh, my goodness. Team life. Team life, healthy people build healthy teams, which build healthy churches that are what I call city shapers. City shapers. You know what a city shaper is? Look at Isaiah 61. This is my verse. That's why we're going to see churches in Arkansas. That's why we're going to see churches in Atlanta. That's why we're going to see churches, more churches in Tennessee, Detroit, Michigan. What about Detroit, Michigan? What about the center of our country, right? What about it? What about it? What about Ohio? I was talking with a brother recently about Ohio, uh, Chicago. You know, our country is in big trouble, but that's not, that's not a big deal to God. God can do, it, do anything, amen? God can do anything, right? How many believe that? Amen? And he will use you, right? 61.4, I love this, we've said it many times. And they will rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities. Any ruined cities around? My goodness, there's 1,800 churches in Baltimore. Why on earth does Baltimore look the way it does? <clears throat> That's a good question for the Lord, right? That's God's business. Our business is what? We are knowing Him. We are igniting others. We are burning, burning with the gospel. Not perfect, not really knowing what's going on, but we're burning with a mission. Okay, we're gonna take a break here in a few minutes. Let's go back here for a minute. So we have a strategy. We have a foundation. You, you, you have a foundation. Your Bible school training, believe me, you and I are as, as, as effective as our training. You and I are as effective as our training. You and I are as effective as we're trained. Do you know how many people I meet and you meet that are not trained, that don't know the Bible? It's, it's just mind-boggling. So a team of four to six people that know the Bible, that's a dangerous group of people in a city, isn't it? It's awesome that people that can rightly divide the word of truth, that can present the person of Christ. Okay, let's turn to Habakkuk for a minute. Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, and I want to spend this third part on communication. You see that that's the third thing right here, communication. The lifeblood of the team. All right, now... I have two lists going on at the same time, so not to confuse you, okay? So number one, the spirit of the team is what? What's the spirit of the team? Speak it out. Oneness, good, oneness. You know, 
that is not a small thing. If, if there's not oneness, really spend the time building there. Really listen to your people. Find out what's going on inside of them so that when you're in motion, you're not trying to figure out your team, right? Number two, it's called uh, the integrity or the in integration of the team. And that comes through communication. Communication. Now, communication or speaking vision uh, is it empowers your team. Empowers your team. It encourages your team. It challenges your team. Your life is speaking, your words are speaking, and your decisions are speaking. A lot of times, people do way too much talking and not enough moving. I've decided these days that I want my feet to talk before my mouth is talking, right? And that's healthy as long as you're submitted to the person, to, to the person that you're following, right? You are speaking with your feet and then your, your decisions are speaking a whole lot louder. So speaking vision, communication. What are you communing with? Are you and I com communing with the 10 spies that come back and say how difficult and impossible things are? Or are we the two spies that are saying it can be done? It can be done. Difficult, impossible, consider it done, right? Is God not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does it matter if we just came off a pandemic? So what? This is an excellent time to be preaching the gospel with boldness, amen? And love and care and creativity. So one of the big things here uh, is speaking a clear mission. Clear mission. Most teams fail because they don't know what's expected of them. I meet with our staff every month. And one of my main objectives is to pray and think with them, hear from them, and communicate the clear mission. Okay, the clear mission, the clear mission. What are we doing here? What is God? And then there's a, there's a targeting and a reassessment and a retargeting. I remember in Wilmington, we started in Wilmington. Nothing was really happening. We went to Middleton. Nothing really happened. We went to Newark. Nothing really happened. That was a year God says, go back to Wilmington. Say, God, nothing's happening. God says, go back to Wilmington. <laughs> we had a team of 12 people. We're ministering in Wilmington. Uh, eight, 10, 12 people start coming. 15 people. People read a negative report online. The whole group goes away. That happened three times to us in Wilmington. Three times. Started three times. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm done. This is after two years. I said, I think I'm about done. I, and I prayed. I said, God... If you want us in Wilmington, you got to do a miracle. That next day, I'm not even lying, I met Carl Gale. How many people know Carl Gale? Carl Gale and I went to Bible school uh, many years ago, and I'd lost touch with him for about 20 years. And I met him at that door, and literally told my team, we are not, we're, I'm quitting. And I never quit anything, if you know anything about me. I was that low. I met him at the door, and I said, Carl? He goes, yes. I, don't, I couldn't believe it. He, was, he says, I woke up in the middle of the night and God told me to come to Baltimore. I said, oh, really? I said, I prayed to God last night about something too. <laughs> and he said to me, he says, you know what? God, I said, where are you living, Carl? He goes, Wilmington. I said, no, you don't live in Wilmington. He goes, yes, I live in Wilmington. I said, I've been looking for you for two years, figuratively speaking.
And we talked, and God connected our hearts with one heart, one soul, one mind. And the next eight months, we worked together. Our teams worked together. And then we gave them the church. And four years later, it's a growing church with a Bible school. And it's, a, it's an absolute miracle that really is a work of God. Why? Because God knows exactly what you need when you need it. And it's the team. It's the team. It's the diversity of the team. Isn't that, isn't that an awesome story? It really, how many have been to Wilmington? Oh, only a few of you. You've got to go to Wilmington. He, Pastor Carl is, I call him the grace man. He's a lot of fun to be with. Um, okay, so speaking vision. Okay, back at 2-4. And uh, when do we take a break? Five minutes? Now? Should we take a break? Okay, let's take a break and we'll look at Habakkuk. Amen. It talked hours about this, but but I don't know. It's such a it's such a privilege. Leading people, being part of people's lives, isn't it a privilege? So here's a here's a statement that that um, we talk about healthy people building healthy teams which build healthy churches. And it's like more importantly than what you're doing, it's who you're doing it with. That's the mission, right? Who am I doing it with? And it's so good to look around and look to the person next to you and and say, wow, what a joy it is to be part of your life and listen to your story and then learn it. Know the context of where you're coming from. It's amazing. People are like buried treasure, isn't it? They're constantly being discovered. And... Um, so we learn, we listen to their story, we learn their story, we love them with God's story. Really, that's such an amazing privilege. And then we lead them beyond themselves, really. That's team building. So many get so involved with the work that they forget the people right next to them. And what happens, tragically, people get used. I call it the dyke principle. And what I mean by that is you can have a massive wall, a big dam, and there can be holes that water is pouring out of it. And we're stuffing people in those holes or there's these crisis management, these needs that we're just throwing people at the needs. And guess what happens? Just like any dike that's not properly fortified, the pressure of the water pushes out those wooden pegs or in, in missions of church planting, people get pushed out, people get wounded, people get hurt, people get used, and it becomes a colossal loss of people. So instead of throwing people at needs, what do we do? We train people, amen? Training, training, training. Nothing, nothing takes the place. There's no shortcut of training. That's why I want to go into this, uh, into Habakkuk with you, that communication. Let me tell you, it is the most important thing you can be doing. Uh, is, is It really strengthens the spirit of your team. Because this is what happened. Three things happen. Okay? Three things happen when we don't communicate. If we're too busy to communicate, what happens? People start to personally interpret what, what they're doing. Or they guess, right? So not that we uh, 
not that we have like uh, chiefs and Indians here. Not every, there's flexibility and and also spontaneity, absolutely. But a clear mission is so valuable. But if I'm too busy to communicate a clear mission, then your team will not follow you, or they will not follow me. They will not understand the mission. Another danger is we may forget that people don't really understand the mission. Right? Like the Easter play. The Easter play. What happened in this room at the Easter play was an absolute miracle. The unity, the uh, camaraderie, the, the diligence, the work ethic. I mean, I've never seen, I mean, this play was amazing, right? How many, how many agree with me on that? God blessed that because I believe there was one heart, one mind, and one spirit. One faith, one God, one baptism, right? It's amazing. Otherwise, if there's not a clear mission, what was the mission of the Easter play? To have some sort of drama? I mean, that would have been fun to entertain people. No, but the mission of the Easter play was to reach the lost. And not only reach the lost, but the disciple, those that came forward. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, thirdly, uh, the mission or strategy has to make sense. I love to ask this question on the team. Does this make sense to you? Does this make sense? Just an interesting, just kind of a simple question. You communicate something, you're, there you are, you have a uh, strategy, okay? This is what we're doing by, by faith, a plan, how to execute that strategy. And now we see we're communicating, we're, we're talking about it. And we're moving in that direction. Does it make sense? A lot of times it's, it, people say, not really. And then we kind of say it from another angle. Or, or maybe we, we say, okay, tell me, what you're, tell me what you're making, what makes sense to you so far. And that Socratarian idea of dialogue is so important. Listen, if we're doing all the talking, which I'm doing a lot tonight, and I don't, don't normally do that, I like to kind of do some feedback, but... Dialogue is such a wise way uh, to find out what's going on in your in people's hearts. All right, so we're going to see here for a minute in Habakkuk. We see visionaries see the impossible. Do you, do you know anybody like that on the team? They just confess the impossible. Like I was talking with my brother, and my brother is a visionary, um, and I've worked with him many years, and I love working with him. And uh, he's talking about a city called Chilimtsi, and it's right up, it's right above the Romanian border, and it's a it's a it's a city that we're sending a lot of aid. There's a lot of um, medical supplies going into this particular city, and recently from this church, we're sending a semi, 24 pallets of food to this city, which is distributing it all to the central and eastern part of the Ukraine. And my brother said this. He says we're going to have a church in that city. And I'm like, because I, I feel like I'm the builder. The builder's like, how? Systems guy. I'm thinking to myself, amen, but how? You know? And that's good. How you respond to a, a situation is typically shows your skill set. And that's okay. It's like some people are like the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then we're, we're down like, okay. Let's think about how we're going to get to the moon. <laughs> right? How are we going to build the track for that locomotive? Or how are we going to climb that mountain? And all of these things are sacred as long as we go to God first with it. 
Isn't that good? So, uh, you know, we appreciate the visionaries. Pastor Schaller is a visionary, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? I'll never forget being in Sweden with him. Back in the late 80s, we're walking together. I think I was 20 or something like that. And he stops in the middle of the square and he just points. Like we're, we're having a conversation, right? All of a sudden he stops. He just stops. And he goes like this. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, maybe I said something that was pretty awesome. He's just kind of having a moment. But quickly I realized that was not the case. <laughs> so he's just pointing to this. I'm like, is it like, is there a bird, a plane? You know, I kind of was not catching what he was doing. So he did that for like 30 seconds. And all of a sudden I, I look around and all these people had stopped. This is back when people actually stopped and wondered about Westerners. And he had like 30 people. And he, he turned around and started preaching right there. It's very spontaneous. It was like very creative. It's like, this is what the mission's all about. It's very spontaneous, but there's always an intentional plan. Okay. Habakkuk, look at this with me, Habakkuk 2, 4. A very common verse here, uh, verse 3, or actually 2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Make it plain. Listen, if your team doesn't know how you're thinking, they don't know what you're doing, if they don't understand what you're saying, guess what? Your team is going to be like, there's going to be more questions than answers. They're going to be falling over you. So, this is why prayer and, 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 and really connecting to the Spirit, not that you need every answer and to answer every question, but your, the spirit and mission of your team is so very important. I remember when my brother moved to Houston. It was like, you know, what are you going to do in a meg, the mega church capital of the United States? What are you going to do in Houston? And my brother said, we're just going to present the gospel of grace. We're going to have body life. We're going to have local missions and worldwide missions. You know, what we have as a ministry, not that we're any better than any other ministry, but what we have as a ministry is very, very special. It's very special, and it's unusual. It is not common. It is not common. It is not common. The grace message, it's like another language. It's like another language, and uh, it's very precious. So we are writing the vision and whatever we do, we're writing it in our hearts, we're, write, we're writing it on paper, we're writing it on tracks, we're writing it on, the, on, uh, on sketchboard, and we're making it plain. We're hitting people where they live. That they that may run who read it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, and at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. And though it tarries, do you see those words? Though it tarries. Though it is late, though there are tremendous delays, though it doesn't make any sense. Oh, those are big words. Everyone focuses on the vision. Everyone focuses on the missions, rightly so. But God's timetable, we need such patience for God's delivery. It's Habakkuk, it's uh, Hebrews 10, uh, verse 35 and 36. You have need of patience. Do not cast away your confidence. We have need of patience that once we've done the will of God, we must wait for the fulfillment of the promise. Team life, right? We, we can give up on people. We can get frustrated with people. We can get... And by the way, if that happens, that means we need to get away and get with God because that, that, that is just a real part of life that our flesh can destroy, right? If you and I start getting irritated and 
and impatient with people, we need to step away and say, God, crucify me again, right? This is your mission. These are your people, right? I am yours, the mission is yours, and the results are yours. I say that all the time to myself. I am yours, the mission is yours, and the results are yours. I don't want, I don't want to put my grubby hands on any of it, right? It's very important. Team life, people, people are like fine china, and a word can break them. For sure. All right. Don't you love that verse? Wait for it. Let's say those three words. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's like waiting for a spouse. Right? Are we going to settle for for something? You know, just because we, we're getting impatient. Please don't do that. Wait for God's best, right? And you will be so glad you did, right? Because God knows exactly what we need. It's amazing. Uh, because it will surely come. It will come. Isn't that good? All right, Acts 16. Let's look over there. Communication. Communication. We have amazing history in our ministry, how the former Soviet Union, 26 countries after the wall fell, 26 uh, churches, excuse me, uh, happened uh, and grew in a very uh, dark time. And um, I remember our founder, Pastor Stevens, just his vision for the, for the world. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle what, what the work of God has, has completed, right? But it, it didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by throwing mud on the wall. There was intentionalism. There was concentration. It was uh, unbelievable prayer, steps of faith, and team life, team life, the sowing, watering, and reaping principle of team life, team life, it's amazing. All right, so there are visionaries, and then there are builders, and we appreciate both of them, don't we? We really do. All right, let's look at Acts 16 for a minute. Communication, if you're too busy running around doing all these things and not communicating the vision, then, then something has to give. Right? That doesn't mean we're talking all the time and sitting on our hands, but there's a delicate balance of communicating with our mouth, communicating with our feet, communicating with our heart, communicating with our priorities, communicating with our monies. Uh, it, it can be done, right? Caleb and Joshua communicated, right? Paul communicated, right? Stephen gave his life communicating, right? People don't know how to communicate today. Because they're so full of themselves, right? The social skills, the social awkwardness. Well, keep it simple, amen? Just keep it real simple. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We don't have to have all the answers, but we can have a simple thing that God's imparted to us. Inspiration, right? What are the words? Inspiration. What's the other I? Initiation, Yes. We're, in, we're responding to God's initiation and we're initiating the people. We say, hey, why don't you come with me? Come and see. Come on visitation. Oh, I don't do that. I'm, I'm scared of people. Who cares? Come anyway. It's awesome. I don't know what I'm going to say. It doesn't matter. Just sit there and just, you know, watch and just, I don't know, play video games on your phone. Just come. <laughs> uh, just come. Come and see and then taste and see that the Lord is good. What was the next word? We have inspiration. We have initiation. What's the third one? Inclusion, right? I need you. Believe me, on our team, 
you will add something that's needed and that will be so valuable. So valuable. And what's the fourth I? What is it? Investment. Okay, I want to get there. Okay, investment. Pouring your life into someone else. I think of Adoniram Judson all the time. There was a man, very few converts. He translated the Bible. And guess what? Close to over three million or more converts are, are brought back as far as the root of how they got saved through one man's obedience. He invested his energy, his time, and he poured his life into something that uh, synergized and multiplied. All right, Acts 16. Look at this. This is great. Acts 16, 9. And a vision appeared to Paul at night. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord called us to preach the gospel to him. (laughs) Pleaded with him to come. Pleaded with him to come. You know, there'll, there'll be people that you'll meet that will plead with you to stay and to, and to uh, disciple them. Um, and that'll be, that's an, amazing, uh, that's an amazing example of what happens when we communicate. Think about it, your words. I remember my mother early on in my life, uh, one of the reasons why we caught a vision for missions is because one, as far back as I can remember, we had maps on our refrigerators and we were praying for the, um, the persecuted church. We were praying for uh, people that disappeared in the middle of the night because of their faith. And we'd write Christians in jails. And we're talking like nine-year-olds. My brother was like, my brother's five years old. So he was 13, 14 years old. And uh, that was very weird, wasn't it? Like normally speaking, but, but something had ignited in my mother that's why mothers are so important as well as dads. But my mom relentlessly communicated the vision, just communicated the vision. And I, I didn't know what was going on uh, from like when I was 14, 15, we're on Hampton Beach, soul winning with my parents. I was just excited to have an ice cream, you know. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew if I went, I'd get an ice cream. Then I just I observed wisdom is caught, not taught. So I began to watch my mother ministered to ladies and I thought what is she talking about and then all of a sudden the spirit just like like really encouraged me to pay attention like it really struck me 15 at 15 I was uh, with my youth leader and my youth leader just really uh, just really spent a lot of time really saved my life in so many ways and at 16 preaching ministering uh, leading other people to Christ and just seeing that, uh, that inspiration that really uh, brought in inclusion. That's the third thing I'm going to talk about, inclusion. This is the effectiveness of the team. So, number one, the one accord is the spirit of the team. Okay. Number two, speaking vision is the integration of the team. And inclusion is the effectiveness of the team. It's the effectiveness of the team. All right? So, uh, that's it. That's, uh, with that in mind, let's look at this other diagram here. And that next one is systems. Systems are important. Systems are important. 
Spontaneity can really happen when there's a plan. Otherwise, we're winging it, and people know when you're winging it. it you, can, you can have a plan and be spontaneous from there, but a plan doesn't necessarily mean you've calculated every possible end game. It just means you're prepared in your spirit. Your heart is prepared. Your mind is, and your heart is before the Lord seeking Him. So, systems are valuable. What is it? The system of visitation, the system of evangelism, the system of small groups, the system of discipleship. These are intentional plans to uh, set ourselves up to minister. All right, so to the measure that people get involved is to the measure that will be uh, effective. So there's a beautiful word that I love to use, and it's called... It's called delegation. And this is the most this is the most mature part of leadership. Delegation. And delegation happens when you uh, begin to include others and trust others and give responsibility to others and empower others to do what you do. Now the rule of delegation is you don't typically delegate what's been delegated to you. That's typically the rule. But you delegate, okay, something like a piece of the puzzle or piece of the pie so that others can feel the spirit and heart of the mission. This is when people really, you know, uh, I, used to, I used to be critical of certain people and then I, then I was invited to do what they do and then I realized, oh my gosh, I have no idea what they do. And I'm not going to be critical anymore because... What they do is not easy, right? It's like, it's easy to be a critic in the seat, but when you're in the arena, right, it's a whole different thing. It is, isn't it? Or someone might say, well, I can do a much better job than that person. Well, come do it. Come do it. Come join us, right? And that's a, that's a healthy attitude to say, uh, before I criticize as an inactive person, I'm gonna be part of the action and be a helper of their joy. I always, I always say this to critics. I say, thank you so much for that, for that input. I say, now are you gonna help me? You're gonna help me change it, right? Oh, I can't do that. I said, I'm not gonna listen to a word you just said. How about that? And I look him right dead in the eye. Because it's like, a, it's, it's, it's wind to me. But if someone says, hey, listen, I, I, the spirit of humility says, I wanna help you, pastor. I wanna help you. I want to help minister. I want to then, hey, then, then fire away on all cylinders. Let's just believe God together and learn as we fall together and stand up together, right? Does that make sense? It's important, isn't it? The team, the team, the team, right? Trust, edification, affirmation, mission. That's what the T-E-A-M stands for, trust. We've got to trust our people. Trump, that means we're giving them a piece of the pie in the sense where are they trained? And if I train them, spend time with them, like our hospitality department, right? The face of our church. We don't just throw anybody out there, especially if they have a bad mood, right? Somebody walks in, they're fragile, have a bad day, they're going to meet a bad mood. No, I don't want that, right? No, there's training that no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me, right? It's the training means we we shift into uh, God's mode of operation, right? I know in the Ukraine in the early years, 
I would have never lasted six weeks uh, in the Ukraine if I wasn't trained. It was a very difficult first few months. Very dark place, very oppressive place, uh, a very uh, negative place because it was recovering from communism and literally there were so many demons in that in our city, you could feel them. But you know what happened? We got together with the team. We prayed. We had a lot of joy. We believed God for the impossible. We, we just uh, had faith action. And what happened? God gave power and God gave um, authority over those demons. All right, so inclusion. Inclusion. This is such an important word, effectiveness. All right, so delegation. Delegation. So with delegation, uh, have you ever had anybody fail? Anybody, anybody you give something to and they just kind of look, look up, make a mess? Anybody? All the time. You might as well expect failure. That's going to sound really nice to say, but we call it a crazy Ivan. Any Russians here? Okay, we've got a couple of Russians in the back. So there's this idea that the crazy Ivan is the unpredictableness of a, of a, of a submarine captain. Uh, they, they do a crazy island with their submarines to make sure that no one is tailing them. There's nobody tailing the blind spot of the submarine. So they jerk it in a particular direction to expose their blind spot. Very interesting. Study it sometime. It's fascinating. People will do the same thing to you. They will. What are you and I going to do when our team member fails us or doesn't follow directions? Or is opinionated and attacks you behind your back. What are we going to do? What are, they, what are we going to do when they do a crazy Ivan? <laughs> it's dead silence here. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Our team member, like this is where our training comes in because we have to separate our team member from their failure. We can't see people in their failure. We might as well be surprised if they do it right. And that just challenges you and I as team leaders to invest in their potential, invest in the mission, invest in love and investment in them. Because the unpredictable will happen, right? And this is where how we handle people in failure tells a lot about our leadership. How we handle ourselves in failure tells a lot about our walk of faith. Am I legalistic? Am I uh, overbearing? Uh, am I hard on myself? Sure, all of those. But that's not how God does it. God says, will you give grace to your team member? Will you forgive that team member? Will you help minister life to that team member? Listen, more lessons are learned in failure than in success. I'll never forget, I was doing a construction project. I was, um, I don't know, 23, and we had, uh, we were a three-man team, and we used to waterproof basements, and we had the most excellent record. We were beating teams as far as productivity that had eight men. We had, I just had, a, I had two other great guys, and we were just, just a bunch of savages working like 12, 15 hours a day, getting as much job. Jobs done as possible. Well, we were in New England and we were working on a house that was 100 years old. And if you know anything about foundations, when we, we used to break open the, the floor and we used to put a perimeter drain in to address water problems in, in homes. 
And I'll never forget it. We broke open the floor to put a perimeter grain to dig down and put a perimeter grain, and it was all sand. The entire foundation was sand. Okay? Now, my training said, stop. Do not go another. Do not do anything, right? Because the house, the house was on, the foundation of the house was sitting on two inches of concrete, and the rest was sand. Okay, that was a disaster, okay? Anybody that knows anything about construction, you, you do not walk, you run from a house like that, right? But I don't know what was going on in my brain. I was tired, and I decided to get this job done. And so we started to jackhammer around the inside of this basement. And I said, hey guys, we're just going to get this done. It's late, it's, we've been doing a lot of jobs, so we're just tired. And so my team said, we should not, we should stop. Look at the sand. This is like sand under a foundation buckles the wall, right? Actually, it could do more than that. It could actually have a house fall down. Anyway, so the Lord knew me and my cockiness. I said, I did not listen to my team. I said, we're getting this thing done. Well, I am jacking and digging on the front wall. My team is upstairs. Totally said, no, I'm not going to be part of this. I said, I'm just going to do it myself. So I start digging and I start the next wall. And all of a sudden, I hear this very weird noise I've never heard. Like, you know how the earth moves? You know, like, do you know that sound? Something like out of a sci-fi movie. It's like this. And the neighbor, uh, the lady upstairs, the owner comes down and says, she goes, excuse me. She goes, I can't open my front door. You know, how's everything going? Oh, things are great. You know, I'm just like, I'm so tired. And then I look over at the corner of my eye and the front wall has totally buckled. And when I mean buckled, I'm halfway through the wall. It's moved, it's like a big stair. And what happened is the whole entire house had shifted because I had dislodged the foundation because the foundation is full sand. So that's a disaster, right? But I didn't realize how much of a disaster it was. So I called my boss and I said, uh, we got a problem here. And I don't know how many people remember Crystal Vecchio. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Anybody? Okay, one person. Uh, anyway, so I called. So, so a team comes up to New England and looks at the house, and the, and the engineer said this house should have fallen down. Actually, it should have collapsed. And I said, Oh, I said, well, really? I felt like this day, I was like, Oh, and my team's over there going, Yeah, we told you so. <laughs> wasn't good. Anyway, uh, it was really a defining moment in my life because. Um, they had to jack the entire house up. And at that point, back in 1992, it was $11,000. Today, it probably would have been four or five times that. They jacked the house up. They had to re-pour the entire foundation and the floor, the monolithic floor where they pour the wall and the floor together. So anyway, so I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. And in my heart, I just, okay, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit. I quit everything. I'm going to go back home. Because it was such a great failure. And I'll never forget going to my, my boss's office a week later, ready for him to just drop the hammer on me. And he said, you know, um, 
you know, I started to talk. You know, how you do when you get nervous? You just start talking, 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 talking. And he just, um, he interrupted me. And he said, I want you to be quiet. I want you to be quiet. And I thought, here it comes. I just cost the company like $20,000 worth of And he says, he says, you made a mistake. It's not okay, but you're going to be okay. And he gave me mercy. And he, he didn't fire me, which was a miracle. Uh, he didn't make me pay for that, which was another miracle. But I was so hard on myself that I could like, literally crawl out of that office, like on my belly. You know how you feel like that sometimes? Anybody been like that? Ever been humiliated like that? Nobody? It's a terrible feeling. Because there you all are all high and mighty, and you, you're down there on the ground sucking the dirt. So that struck me so much. It actually, it actually changed my life, that incident. Because how I was handled in failure really determined my direction. Honestly, I would not be here today if I was handled another way. I would have said, bail out. I would have said, good excuse to hightail it. But I was shown mercy. I was shown grace. I was shown, uh, there was, there was some consequences, but it was good for me to know how to handle, uh, be handled correctly in failure. How you handle your team in failure will determine a lot of the way you believe. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I don't know. I just always, every time I think about that, I think, wow, God, thank you that you do not throw people away. Amen? So when you delegate, make sure there's clear communication, clear mission, clear plan, clear system, and then lastly, let's look at this last one. How you doing? You good? You guys still with me? Raise your left hand. You still with me? Are you catching something from this class? I know we're doing a lot of talking here, but team building. All right, team. You're as strong as your weakest team member. I hate to tell you. All right, you're as strong as your weakest team member. All right. So let's invest in our team, right? We want them to go further. So this is where performance comes in. Performance is we're all in. We're 110%. We're all in. We're all in. You know, um, I was talking with a brother today, and if you fail in your mission, and it's like people might say, I could never come back to Baltimore because I failed in my church plan, or I failed in this particular case. That is one of the greatest lies. In failure, our arms are wide open for people. We must be a friend at all times. In 17, 17, and 17, the end of Proverbs, we must be a brother born for adversity. More importantly than what we're doing, and we're doing things very important, it's who we're doing it with. That could be the cafe staff. That could be the GGCA staff. That could be... Um, Whatever staff, we are caring for one another because our performance is because of the things we just talked about. We have a foundation. There's a plan. There's strong communication. And there's a system. There's a track. Amen. All right. Uh, maybe that's all I have to say. I said a lot of words, but I'd love to talk more about it. Inclusion. What are you going to do with the crazy Ivan? Anybody? What are you going to do with the crazy Ivan house? 
Are we going to make it all about the, the failure? One thing my boss did not do, and he's a beautiful believer, he did not talk about what I did. Now, there's a time for that. There's a time to correct, absolutely. But I was my own worst enemy, but he had to talk me off the ledge emotionally and said, hey, listen, let's work through this. Let's push through this. Let's find God in this, right? All right, amen. Any questions? Any questions? Or comments? Or tell me, what, what did you catch in this class? Yeah, yeah we, we listen to them, right? By the way, that's going to unlock a lot of keys in your team listening to your team, right? Then learning that, right? Where, where have they been, right? So we don't talk down to them. Condescension is such a trap. And then loving with God's story. What's God's mind? What's God's heart? Yeah, very good. Anybody else? Yes.
So that's a very important point when you see the devil's going to war against unity, right? That's so important to, to understand. You know, we, I, have this, I have this principle in my mind that if God doesn't raise a beam up for what I'm thinking about and what I'm doing, I'm not going to do it. Just not going to do it. Because there's no sense killing one or two people over something that either is not the right time or God is not giving me the, the green light on it. So, team building, team leading, it starts with the person in front of you, but loving the person in front of you, right? It's really important. Uh, Paul, do you want to say anything? Yeah, so there are different capacities on the team. So absolutely, you have to kind of walk slow with some. You have to walk fast with others. You have to run with some. Uh, I'm reminded of something that happened. Um, I have to kind of, I'm going to change names and change, change locations, but um, there was a church plant, and the people on the team, everyone had their own vision, and no one submitted to the pastor's vision. And they were all great visions, but they were not submitted to pastor's vision. Do you know what happened? Those people in this particular case all left doing their own thing and left this person alone <laughs> to rebuild the church. And this particular person has rebuilt the church three times, and that's not any fault of their own. But when there's not unity, when there's not a submission of the same vision, the vision can be broad. And there can be many facets to the vision, but if everyone's pulling their own direction, it does not work. So take your time and slow walk with people. Take your time and just process and say, hey, listen, this is, you know, you know what, how is God ministering this to you? Talk back to me what you think God is speaking. Like that happened in the Ukraine a lot, like the pattern of evangelism and preaching, the pattern within the year was to have a Bible school. And that's the pattern that typically we've seen in our ministry, and that's what grew our churches in Ukraine. In one dorm, we got to one dorm in the Polytechnical University, and four guys responded that later turned out to be four of our pastors in one dorm, right? Amazing. They're still, they're pastoring three churches today. These four men are still going, and uh, it's a miracle. We can't even make this stuff up. It's totally God. Like, but these men, you know, they they didn't want it. They ran from it. They actually were hiding behind people when we were calling on them. But they were 100% sold out for God. So people will be in different maturity, if I understand the correct question correctly. You slow walk with them. And uh, listen, it's like you may have just a few people in your church. Don't try to run around discipling everybody. It's impossible. But find the two, find the three, find the five, and just pour everything in. Absolutely pour it. Yeah.
Because not everyone's going to think like you, not everyone's going to talk like you, not everyone's going to be as, like, on steroids, like, you know what I'm saying, in your heart, like, you've got the vision, like, this is God amazing, you know? They're like, you know, not there. And it's like, you have to, you have to <laughs> just have to love them, keep loving them. Stephen, you want to say anything? This is a huge topic, but we could really say um, through lots of prayer, God will show you somebody. And then, you know, in team life, you're accountable one to another. So I typically look for someone that can do the small things, and they're like, nothing's beneath them. And, you know, maybe you're spending time talking to that person, you're having a discussion, you're ministering to them, and you just hear the quality of your spirit. And then I, I typically delegate to teachable, humble people. And um, I don't force it on them, but I give them more and more. And then that, that, that oftentimes can ignite somebody because it's easy just to be a spectator but when you start to participate, it's, it, you just, you're, 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 you're yeah, refreshed with fresh oil, right? 92 kind of songs. So delegation, first of all, it's an invitation. Hey, would you mind leading this outreach and tell me what you think, you know? And uh, just kind of challenging that person. We call it laboratory. We give them a place for, it's like an arena for failure, arena, arena for testing, and they push through. And we trust them. We have to trust people. I mean, I was pastoring a church at 23. I, that was ridiculous. I, mean, I, I didn't even know what my name was back then at 23. But, there was, there, the Holy Spirit was obviously in it because, uh, you know, God just equipped the, the one that was called, right? So you're, again, you're giving them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then, because this is what's going to happen. If you don't duplicate yourself, if you don't do that, uh, there'll be a time when you can't show up or something, you're somehow stuck somewhere. And God will orchestrate it. It's like, one of my church is going to fail if I don't show up. It shouldn't be like that. Like pastor's in India today, and his staff is doing an incredible job, right? That's because pastor's a disciple. Disciple. So you have to trust. You have to trust and give. And be gentle. I always follow up and I say, how did that go? You know, what we, how did God minister to you in that? You know, um, the person that shows up and doesn't want to do it, but they do it, God meets them. The person that doesn't show up and they say they're going to do it, God will meet them too. <laughs> uh, I'm more interested in the person that will show up by faith. God, God will do great things. And there's always a testimony, right? There's always a testimony. Delegation, that's one of the most important parts. And that's Philippians 4 9. We have to delegate to faithful people. We have to delegate to people that have one heart, one mind. You don't want you don't want some rogue thing going on, right? Where where someone is like, 
communicating your another spirit. Right? You just want simplicity, faith, and integrity. Right? That's a huge topic right there. David, do you want to say anything? We should have some ladies say something. Go ahead, David. I mean, you make it available to everybody, but it's those that are pursuing you, that are hungry for it, those are the ones you want to go after. It's for whosoever, whenever, in whatsoever capacity, but it's the ones that are chasing you that you don't have to chase after. That's, that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Nikki, do you want to say anything? Everyone know Nikki? She's awesome. Michelle, do you want to say anything? Alyssa, do you want to say anything?
connection, a place where we meet God. And I think God will teach us how to weep between those two places. God will break us, break our hearts. So when we go through dry seasons, and we all have them, and um, so when, when, when that happens, we get with people that are on fire. We draw near, we get on our knees, but, but we get near people that are already burning. And the dry embers start to catch them. And then we don't pay a lot of attention to ourselves. That's a big thing. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. We don't get so analytical. Like, why am I amazing like that person? Don't that such a waste of time, that whole system of thinking? But we just draw near to other people. Like Pastor Chabot's message Sunday, that lit me up, didn't it? Wasn't that so good? I was so inspired by the line of talk. Anybody? Wasn't that good? Right? The greatest. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna there for that message. Yeah. Like so when those dry seasons they come with every valley, it just means we're getting prepared for a mountain. So I don't analyze myself. I when I when I like that, I just say, okay, Lord, where's the burning bush? Where is the spirit moving? Like Psalm Psalm one, the shield my woman was like, Okay, where do you feed your flocks in the day? Like she started saying I'm black and I'm I am like, you know, in a, in a bad place in some of the words. Then she shifted against not self-analysis, but now God, where are you moving, right? Yeah. And be very patient with yourself. Like if you're, if, like inspiration is the best motivation. That's like something important. Like how is somebody, how is somebody motivated? Well, if they're motivated by by recognition, if they're motivated by money, if they're motivated by success, all those things will fail and they'll never be enough. But if we're inspired by God, then it is incredible. Like, we learn wonder again, we learn joy again, right? We learn grace again. When does this class end? Really? Is there another class after this? Where's the teacher? Okay. Okay, so while, while he's coming, any other questions? Uh, how about Elena? Do you want to say anything, Elena, or Sam? Or no, you can pass. Pastor Shadow's leadership is that he is he uses his team. It's like he's not like the central plane. He trusts his team. He lets his team make decisions. He can certainly give definition, but we have full, full uh, we can exercise the heart of a mission. 
Um, Jesse, last words, last thoughts, last look. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's a good message. <laughs> Anything you want to say? How many are enjoying Jesse virtually? Who, wanted, who wants to join Steve and Frederick? Oh man, wait a minute. Okay, here's a little pitch for Atlanta, okay? Who wants to So we're gonna have a huge concert, a big group from Tennessee. Pastor John Stanley is bringing that group down from Tennessee. A big concert in July. And then we're gonna go to the with some guys in Helena, Georgia. And then we're going to do a couple meetings. So who wants to come to Atlanta? Okay, I got more on that one. <laughs> Two me? Okay. Precious Father, bless this awesome class. Father, we just want to be followers of you and lead people to you, Lord. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Just uh, get out of the way in one sense. And uh, just so oh, just have a great expectation for what you will do. And Lord, build your churches, build your people. Lord, build your people, and build your teams, build your churches, and look for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Please fill this out, the sign sheet. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.